Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, it is that time of the week again. It is Tuesday. Thank you for coming back. If it's your first time, welcome to the Game Dev Unchained podcast. I am Larry Charles. I got my best friend, co-host, Brandon Pham. Mr. Brandon Pham. Hey, how are you guys doing? We have a special guest this week, Art Usher. How are you doing, Art? Hey, how's it going? Art Usher is by way of Microsoft in Seattle right now. You guys are in Seattle, Washington, or Redmond team? Ah, Redmond. Yeah, Redmond's a little bit east of uh, Seattle, but uh, <laughs> it's it's basically uh, it's it's if you were to say the San Fernando Valley in relation to LA. Gotcha. Right. Okay, he's in the, the San rest Fernando of the world. Valley of Washington. That's Seattle. <laughs> <laughs> I feel bad that it's like if you're in Washington, you have to tell people, okay, start at Seattle, and then from yeah. Seattle, here's where I am. Yeah. Yeah. So how long you been out there now? Uh, a little over three years. And you're a designer by yep. trade. Yes. Yeah. Very nice. Uh, yeah. I design things that go into video games. And can you take us through uh, one or two of the games that you've worked on just to build up a little resume for the listeners? Yeah, sure. So um, I got my start back uh, in uh, 2002 Mm -hmm. um, working for Activision um, in their QA department. Um, And uh, from there, I kind of uh, moved on to uh, junior design roles uh, at LuxoFlux. Uh, shipping flux. games like yeah, we, we shipped uh, two true crime games and a few other uh, licensed products. Yeah, and uh, from there, uh, I've had a few stints uh, at like NeverSoft. Shipped mm-hmm. a couple of Tony Hawk games there. Uh, I was at uh, Heavy Iron Studios uh, for about four years. Um, had some relationships uh, with some um, industry peeps and ended up at Microsoft in yeah. 2012. Oh, nice! And loving it ever since. Yeah, it's great. I'm going to need you to autograph my first copy of True Crime, by the way, next time I see you. Uh, that's fine. And, and didn't you, uh, don't you have a claim to fame that you did a voice in a game? Yeah, so some... <laughs> yeah, so a, a hidden Easter egg uh, would be, uh, if you guys um, out there are listening, you can uh, go to YouTube and uh, you can look at the intro to True Crime New York City. Mm-hmm. And uh, at the very beginning of the game, uh, the main hero character walks up to the door, knocks on the door. Person who answers the door is me, and it's also my voice, so it's kind of cool. Nice, <laughs> that's awesome, man. Did yeah. you uh, mostly? Did you grow up in California? Yeah, so I was born in the Bronx and uh, moved out to LA when I was about three. I think I spent a year in Utah, mm-hmm. which was a story for another time. Uh, <laughs> but uh, yeah, yeah, uh, pretty much in LA most of my life. And uh, transplanted to the Pacific Northwest um, about three years ago. Very How nice. did you go from uh, very sunny to no sun? How was that transition? <laughs> uh, Two-hour flights from uh, Seattle to uh, Los Angeles make it a lot more bearable, okay. especially okay. especially in the winter months. <laughs> and a uh, g- uh, quick question for you, especially for the QA listeners out there: Did you know going into QA that you wanted to, you know, further your career in game development? Was that your intention, or? You know, just take us through, I guess, your start in the game industry. Yeah, so um, I actually got to a crossroads in terms of career where I was sort of uh, figuring out what I wanted to do. Mm-hmm. And uh, and the opportunity presented itself to um, to do some uh, QA work for, for Activision, mm-hmm. at which point I was really enthralled. I'd always been a fan of video games. It had always been something that was attractive to me. Uh, but I just put in the work and asked a lot of questions and... Uh, did a lot of long hours, which is uh, usually um, uh, prerequisite in this industry. For sure. And just and just yeah, just fell in love with the process, and was lucky enough to have some really talented mentors who were patient with me early on in my career and gave me the opportunity to really just shine. So it was great. Awesome, man. Very nice. That's good to hear. And uh, I can see you've been hitting the gym a little bit. You know. No, well, you know. I, <laughs> <laughs> I I uh I skip a few days here and there. Oh, it's all good, man. Yeah. Good work, my friend. Good work. Yeah. 
All right. So, um, being that you've, you know, in saying your resume, you've been at a bunch of different studios, you know, you've got some tenure and you've got some clout, but you also have, I guess by now a lot of connections. Um, how important would you say networking has been in, you know, your rise to the top? Well, I don't know about the top, but, uh, it's (laughs) been, it's definitely been, uh, uh, valuable, uh, in terms of our industry as a whole is very small. Mm -hmm. Um, I don't think I've ever worked at a studio, a single studio, or known someone at a studio per se where it's like hey I know this person does that person work with you so it's such a small industry there's uh in terms of the really meaty stuff that people want to work on uh there tends to be um a you know very concentrated amount of talent mm-hmm. uh which causes for you to have a lot of people that you will uh run into from time to time so you know networking is huge and being able to keep that rapport is top-notch yeah so that kind of segues into this week's topic um about maintaining good relations and uh you know when is it a good time to go when is it to not burn bridges yes because there's a few instances although (laughs) that rule is always number one uh it's very tempting (laughs) to just burn that damn bridge f you f you f you (laughs) you're cool f you i'm out (laughs) yeah yeah, I mean that is that's always you know you always want to have that sort of sitcom moment where you can just sort of uh, tell everyone off and walk away. But ultimately, at the end of the day, someone that you've worked with has worked with someone somewhere else, and it's very easy for you to put yourself in a bad situation uh, by you know going that route. Yeah. Um, can I ask you a personal question? And you sure. don't have to name names, but has anyone like? clearly burned a bridge with you like have you been on the receiving end of one of those fu moments uh there are definitely people that i think i could uh hang out with uh in a non-professional manner but uh would not be interested in working with uh on the professional level sure that's but i can but i can separate the two that's such a diplomatic answer man it's very tough like personally like i am not able to do that if you burn a bridge with me even though you don't know that you burned the bridge with me, like professionally and personally, I cannot hang with you for 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 that same exact reason. It's hard to differentiate between to separate the two for me. It's like if you are professionally doing something terrible, most likely in your personal life, I can't rely on you on certain things, mm. and I just feel like sometimes it's like a trap in the future. I mean, what kind of advice? Like, how hard was it to hold back? <laughs> oh, we'll see. I never said that these would be people that would be super best friends of mine. Okay, I'm yeah. just saying that like if I saw them on the street, I wouldn't want to punch them in the face. <laughs> but no, but all joking aside, I mean, you know, it's uh, it's just important that, you know, you just maintain that sort of professional aspect because, yes. again, you're going to run into, I mean, it's, it's the entertainment business, right? So um, you're going to run into a lot of personalities. Um, it, it attracts type A personalities. You're going to run into people who aren't, necessarily uh, operating with your best interest in mind and unfortunately that's just the part of the business but um, sometimes it can be personal and those are situations that you sort of have to take uh, on a case-by-case basis but for the most part you can't really uh, internalize too much of this because of just the type of industry that we work in yeah it's it's very important to you know maintain your composure and your poise even if you're justified in whatever you're about to say to said individual Absolutely. You still have to consider, you know, the long-term ramifications, you know. Absolutely. I mean, I think every artist and developer in the game industry has a list that they (laughs) compile and review every week. And mine has just been adding on. I haven't really taken anyone off that list. And that, for me personally, it began since being a student, since college. And Larry knows the type of guys <laughs> that are on that list right now. Can you tell that story about the dude who just uh, just straight up took your idea? Uh, this is a, I love this story, but the podcast listeners haven't heard it yet, and neither has Art. Uh, yeah, Brian, just ahead. take a minute, please. Wait, well, wait, someone, wait, wait, hang on a second. So someone in the industry took your idea and ran with it? Well, this I, was unheard of. I've never heard of it. <laughs> <laughs> well, I was welcome very early, right? This is during college. So yeah. I was like introduced to this type of behavior. Sure. Uh, it was during one of my college classes, design. Um, we were to come up with an idea, like three of them, and then come in front of the class and present them. So our teacher, before we had to present them, wanted to test it in smaller groups, right? So it was with me and two other people. 
And I, I had three really great ideas and pretty much I went with the ones that I've always wanted to make, right? And as they were listening, they were nodding. I was like, all right, they're really liking it, right? And so there was no feedback or anything and I was second uh, to going up to present it. And so the guy in my group went ahead of me and uh, he was going with his unique idea and then suddenly it transitioned to what I was saying within the group. <laughs> like he completely switched whatever he was doing and then started spilling everything that I was saying. And like the teacher was nice, like this is really cool. And he just went on and on. And I was just looking at him with my <laughs> jaw on the floor. Face. Yeah, well, what's going on? Like is so he's weird. really doing this? Not realizing that I know that he knows <laughs> that just, he's taking my just shit. Just straight up swagger jacked you in front of the whole class. Yeah. So he was, and, he was catching that, that ultimate side eye from you? Yeah. But the <laughs> yeah. thing is, I don't know. Like, Larry knows who's up to, who, who I'm talking about. Yeah. He's always been a little off. So I think he was, like, naively. So. He felt like he. It's kind of like a. With the concept himself or something. And then. Imagine it's like a Forrest Gump kind of mentality. Like, it's. In some ways, it's like a very innocent misunderstanding. And not necessarily a misunderstanding, but like just doesn't have the complete brain processing where he's like, yo, I'm ripping this dude's idea off. He's like, wow, there's this really cool idea in my head that I should share. Completely disassociating the fact that he just heard it from someone else. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like it's it's a very kind of like Mr. Magoo type person, just very yeah. absent-minded. He went sure. back to his seat. Everyone else in my group was like, holy shit, he just stole your idea. And he was like giving me the thumbs up, like everything was cool. <laughs> okay, Brandon, go ahead, tell him your idea now. Yeah, I had to jump to my other stuff, but oh man, yeah. To they're like, day, they're like, they're like, wow, that's not as great as that uh, other idea that the other guy. <laughs> yeah, it's not as polished. I would yeah. say number two. You should be more like this other guy, Brandon. <laughs> yeah, so I, I don't know. That story just always entertains me. I've heard it probably like six or seven times now because we've told it to other people, but. Yeah, if you're listening to this podcast, don't rip people off. Well, the thing is, years later, he would hit me up in LinkedIn for jobs. <laughs> oh, th that that's a perfect that's a perfect segue. <laughs> so let me ask you this: Did you ever recommend that individual for jobs? No, I just strung him along until I said no. <laughs> oh man, the long game, huh? The yeah, it's like, oh man, let me let me talk to my guys and I'll let you know. And I think two years has passed. Oh man, wait, <laughs> was was there any sort of personal vendetta in the stringing along, or was it just that you didn't want to just drop the no? You know what I mean? Uh, you know, I really did believe he was Mr. Magoo with his decisions, yeah. but it was his action that upset me. So therefore, I could not recommend him. Gotcha. Yeah. So okay, I, I he see. still thinks we're cool. So this is part of like not burning bridges, right? <laughs> in my mind. I hate you. In his mind, he's like, we're going to good. We're, we went to school together. So it's perfect. So whenever I look for a job and ask for him, you know, we're, we're good. We're solid. One bridge works. <laughs> it's, it's a, a one-way access. It's a one-way street. <laughs> All right, so. I, I, I take it he doesn't listen to this podcast, right? <laughs> he doesn't he know. To, he, he, he probably, probably has no idea, better. dude. Gotcha. <laughs> he still gotcha. high-fives me when we see each other. Oh, man. This is so sad. See, to me, it was a funny story. I didn't know that there was, like, actual, like, Brandon said hate, dude. Like, that's serious. Hey, man, who who can hang with a person like that, to be honest? <laughs> um. So, Art, man, has anybody ever burned a personal bridge with you specifically? And you don't have to say, like, yeah, man, this dude did this thing. But, like, and I know, like, I kind of asked this question earlier. I'm just kind of looking for an interesting story. Has somebody, like eating your TV dinners like every single day uh, has somebody thrown you under the bus or is there like a good like yo this dude did this don't ever do that story yeah yeah um, yeah there there certainly been times uh, where certain where something like that has taken place <laughs> I don't know if I want to get I don't know if I want to okay. get too specific no details no simply worries. because um, it might be identifiable but yes I can definitely say that there have been instances where I've had to sort of uh, bite my tongue and just sort of uh, internalize some things and <laughs> some mental moves. Oh man! So I think let's just let's stick to the burning bridges for like the first half of the podcast, and then we'll come in at the end with the how to know when it's time to go. So in my career, I can't really think of anybody who's like just blatantly like, "Yo, I will never work with you again." Uh, oh, Yo, actually, okay, I can think of three already. I got, I got Where one. I got one. Oh well, I mean, if we're in the business of of editing this stuff out, I definitely know a few people that <laughs> that that I would never ever work with again. 
Yeah. Uh, some of them, some of them are actually heads of studio. Yeah. Oh, yeah. see, that I Mine was is most for of them. sure, for sure. <laughs> I've definitely had my moments where I was like, "Yo, this dude is like," and talking about like executive level, and where yeah. I've just had very, very opposite opinions of what to do in that situation. I'll just say that's the PC, <laughs> that's the Art Usher answer. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> no, yeah. I don't hate the guy. I just. I feel very strongly against the move that he made. <laughs> I don't feel that we had an alignment of vision. In yes. Terms of- <laughs> <laughs> oh man, all right. What books are you reading, man? Because oh, you know, got it. Just, no, it's it's uh it's it's watching so much sports. You know, like yeah. giving the answer without giving the answer. It's yeah. like, uh, yeah, you know, both teams played hard today. Um, our guys, you know, really tried to step up the defense. <laughs> See, this is perfect. This is gold. Oh, I mean, there's. Good. All right, let's get back to it. Dude, I'm learning. No, I'm serious. I'm learning no, from art. This is good. Like, there's, there are moments, right, when you yes. butt heads with people. Sure. I, and I kind of start the clock as far as how long can I last at this place before <laughs> I blow up. Like, how? Like I've read books uh, like How to Be Happy at Work. Yeah. <laughs> Why is that even just, a book? <laughs> because it's true. People really trudge along throughout the workday trying to survive. Mm-hmm. I just... I just fb that that meme on uh you know and it was just a bunny a guy in a bunny costume in the bathroom it's like i'm just hiding in the bathroom because i hate work so much <laughs> i love that meme it's have you seen it art no i haven't oh, but man. i will say this um for me i have a personal um there's a personal like switch inside mm-hmm. right when and that that little like light switch is basically if i get up in the morning and i'm like man i gotta go into this place it's time to go mm. Right. Like if you if 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 it stops being fun. Yeah. If you're like, well, you know what, man, wow, I gotta I gotta go in and deal with this bullshit, then it's like, okay, it's it's time to go. Yeah. yeah. Well let's Def- say if you have to delay for for different reasons, like you have a family, there's different things, you know, you have sure. your mortgage or whatever. Like what kind yeah. of th- in in your experience what kind of advice would you give those people yeah so a little longer yeah so i mean obviously we all have different things that we have uh you know um that we have to do families kids things of that nature the best advice i would give with that is just always remain professional keep Mm -hmm. put your head down just do do your job and you know get out go home and you know do you know uh create your um um work-life balance Mm -hmm. to uh, to better align with what you want, but don't like slip in terms of like the quality of what you're turning in, mm-hmm. because ultimately that is going to be what you take to wherever it is you go next. Mm-hmm. So if you feel like you're getting back at the employer by saying, "Oh, well, you know what? I'm going to do less, and I'm going to do this and that, or whatever," it doesn't matter what their referral is. Mm-hmm. When you ship, whatever you ship whatever you talk about and you say, look, this thing is on the shelf that I've shipped and it's, you know, what have you, and they go and take a look at it, they're going to be able to see what the quality was. And I mean, we've all been able to see games and play games and understand when the team absolutely loved what they were working on versus a team that was basically a work for hire and they were just basically doing what was necessary to ship a product. You can tell immediately once you start playing, you can say, oh, love went into this versus, yeah. ooh, this was just a contract and they were just trying to get this thing done. Trying to get paid. Yeah. It's, a, it's sad, though, that you know that's a comparison, but it's, it's very true. Like, There's a lot of people in this industry who don't love what they do. Maybe they did once, but you yep. know they kind of start to get jaded or just getting your hopes up and then getting the rug pulled out from underneath you time after time after time can really start to take effect on a lot of people. And well, that's like 90% of the listeners right now. <laughs> I hope not. Either, like we started this cause we want to tell the truth, not because we want to just suck all the air out of the room, you know? Like, well, I mean, it's kind of like, I've always saw this podcast as a, a bitching with a purpose. <laughs> <laughs> so the first 45 minutes is the bitching. And then the 15 minutes at the end, that's the like, hey, this is the gold. This is the hope, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's the exactly. opposite yeah. roller coaster. It's we go down and then we bring you back up. It's Pursuit of Happiness, the movie, the podcast version. Yeah, <laughs> there you go. Exactly. Oh, man. <clears throat> All right. So let me think. Have any bosses uh, ever burned a bridge with either one of you guys? And you don't have to say names, but like, you know, what? how do you, how do you go through the workday knowing that, you know, you kind of have this 
executive or upper level manager who's just like kind of ruining the studio doing something that they're not supposed to be doing or how how do you cope with that kind of atmosphere because you still have to show up to work you still may love the team and love the game but somebody who has more power and authority than you could be throwing a big wrench into everything you want to take this or you want me to take it I think we're all going to do a round. Sure. <laughs> all right. I'll oh. let you start. Oh, you want me to start? You're the special guest, my friend. You're the special oh, yeah. guest. Oh, okay. I see how it is. Right. <laughs> no, um, the most. Uh, it's very healthy to vent uh, <clears throat> to be able to allow yourself to be heard either by a significant other, a spouse, or hell, just even driving home and, you know, uh, getting your thoughts out, you know, um, you know, just in words uh, is is always valuable. Yeah. Um, I don't know that that's always a tricky one because a lot of times um, there can be issues with the culture of a studio mm-hmm. and people in charge are not aware that there's a there's an issue, and so you could run into an issue. You could run into a situation very quickly where um, management could find that it's easier to quiet the dissenting voice than it is to actually address the issue at hand. So mm-hmm. it's very, it's, it's a very, um, and, and there's also situations where you could feel that you have the rapport to be honest and be, um, very, um, uh, you know, um, transparent with how you're feeling. It's a and, trap. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And, and it can, it can blow up in your face. Uh, so, you know, the, the most important thing is to not bottle it up yeah. and because, you know, it's very easy for people to see if you're having issues, if you're, you know, being, if you're coming in and you're upset and you, you know, you've got a bit of a scowl and that sort of thing, it rubs off and people get it, especially if you have an outgoing, an outgoing personality to begin with and then suddenly you become more insular, it's going to show through, people are going to see it and, you know, so the most important thing is to get it out, um, mm-hmm. And just and 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 vet the channels through which you get it out because, like I said, not every ear uh, is listening with your best interest in mind. So, oh man, true story right there, boy. Yeah, yeah I mean, I think every developer goes in the industry with a very optimistic mind. Like I, I, I had certain expectations coming in that were not met. Uh, you know, we come in thinking the game industry's fun. We're just gonna hang out, play games. We're making games for goddamn. <laughs> I mean, there's no reason why we would be political about it, right? Mm-hmm. But uh, a lot of the times, yeah. I mean, I myself have been trapped into that negative vortex, which rubs off, which makes you look really bad. At yeah. the same time, <clears throat> you're you're kind of setting up expectations and i think that's the main problem like you have certain expectations at a workplace that are not being met and you kind of have this righteous part of you that wants to correct it and that's when you really get into trouble mm. um i really do feel when the studio has problems most of the executives know about it mm-hmm. but their problem is uh trying to make it look like they're solving the problem <laughs> it feels like so if you're a thorn in the company, uh, most likely you're on their list. Mm. You know, just to go back to making lists, <laughs> because they feel like you're 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 poison. You're poisoning yeah. the well, yeah. which is I can see. I can see that being a problem. Right? Yeah, Nobody it's... wants to hang out with that guy who's complaining about stuff all the time. And if you bring other people down, or if you make other people think about leaving their workplace, then you're definitely a problem. You know, you're somebody that they're going to want to get rid of. Yeah. So yeah, it it just goes back to what I said, which was that like quieting the dissenting voice mm-hmm. is in a lot of instances a lot more effective and easier than actually addressing the issues at hand. Yeah, that's unfortunate, man. Because um, a lot of times what you'll see is someone who's just really passionate, right? Like I've seen examples of this. I think at almost every company that I've worked at, where and this isn't disrespect to anybody who's you know been on the firing end or the person who had to make the decision, but. I've seen people who've been really passionate, you know, behind the product or behind the company and the culture and things are going like in a negative direction. And because of their passion, they're very vocal, right? Or like thinking that they're doing the right thing in what they're saying and how they're saying it or in their protests. And they end up getting that, you know, that 930 in the morning meeting that no one else has. And like, hey, buddy, here's your box. Sign this paperwork. 
thanks, but no thanks. You know, uh, I've seen sure. it happen at almost every company that I work for. Yeah, I feel uh, I feel the number one thing for students and for developers to remind themselves is the HR department is not there for you. <laughs> it's there for the company. I think that's a common mistake. I've seen many people go into HR complaining about these certain type of things, and I just shake my head, man. <laughs> what are you yeah. doing? <laughs> yeah. Oh man, when HR follows you on Facebook and Twitter, right? <laughs> that's another thing. Like the social world that we're growing up in Facebook and, and all these different ways for them to keep tabs on you mm. is just going to work against you snitching before you even get to the company like I heard a lot of companies yeah. uh, and this is a general statement like oh we have this new applicant let's check out his demo reel now let's check out his Facebook and his Twitter oh look at this keg stands in the underwear <laughs> and like all this other stuff you know yeah yeah it's a, it's a difficult one in this um in in this in in this connected, you know, mm-hmm. social uh, media world. Actually, I want to circle back really quick to sure, what you mentioned about the um, the 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 person who is, uh, is you know, super uh, passionate, you know, uh, passionate, and feels like they can. I actually have a nickname for that type of persona because um, oh, I think it, in, uh, it's it's the DAC persona. Okay. Um, so DAC was. Um, I, this is for all the geeks out there. I, I know there's probably a ton that are just like they know exactly what I'm talking about. <laughs> Dak was actually um, Luke Skywalker's gunner in um, The Empire Strikes Back, mm-hmm. right? He was he was his gunner uh, for the Snowspeeder, mm-hmm. and when they're walking out to the Snowspeeders and they're going to repel the Empire that's coming down to you know drop the adats and the whole deal. Dak is very enthusiastic. He talks about how, uh, you know, he, he feels like he can take on the entire empire and, you know, he's really motivated that he's going to be the one who's going to do this whole thing. And Dak, uh, unfortunately for Dak, Dak ends up getting taken out rather quickly and <laughs> unceremoniously. Um, and so, uh, yeah, I mean, you can, you can definitely, I mean, there's definitely degrees and there's definitely uh, areas where you want to be passionate. I think, the best games have a lot of passion behind them. Yes. But having said that, um, you have to uh, monitor exactly how you apply that because it doesn't always, you know, firing, uh, being more surgical with how you do it versus firing like a shotgun mm-hmm. uh, can can be the difference between like like Larry was saying, uh, getting that nine thirty uh, in the morning meeting uh, <laughs> where you walk into the room. And it's just HR and some other people, and you basically realize what's happening, right? You don't want to have that scenario take place. So it's just a matter of getting the balance and being able to, you know, do what's necessary for the project. Yeah, for sure, man, because I consider myself somewhat of a DAC, right? Like, I I don't wear my emotions on my sleeve, but I definitely do a lot of thinking and pondering about what the hell is going on around me. And I'm a not like a social justice warrior, but anything that is wrong right so like i guess anytime that there's something that's wrong i'm just like all over it right at least internally and then i I channel this and i say now what can i do about this right but at the same time i'm not a fool like i know i need my paycheck so it's like yeah i know that's hope still in you you got to push that down all the way down I I, i have some strategies so i don't um I don't just go out and like march into like freaking the execs room and like, God dang it. We need to talk about this now. Like, you know, it's, it's all about finding the proper channels and knowing who's going to listen and fight with you. Right. And so it's, I always, whenever I have something to say, I make sure that it's being said as a group. You know what I mean? Like I look for like, Hey, you know, five of us have kind of made this statement together in passing. So then I'm like, Hey, you know, a couple of us are kind of feeling like this. I just want to share this information with you. You know what I mean? Because, Not that I'm outing anybody, but if I know for a fact that if it ever comes back to like, well, is this a true story that Larry said that a bunch of people feel this way? There could be names like, yo, look, we're just having a meeting here, right? Like I always do it like under the right channels. I say, look, we just want to tell you like this is going on and this is how some people feel about it. And then you always compliment sandwich it like, hey, I love this job. I love this studio and it affects me and us that, you know, we're dealing with this. Maybe we can come up with some ways to solve it. Even though 90% of that meeting will be looked at from the executive standpoint as, oh, my God, this BS. 
but it's happening. We're getting in their face and we're raising awareness for something specific. And it's something that we can follow up against. And then you'll know in that meeting who you can then talk to about it in the future. And you can know by how quickly they brush you off if it's going to be brushed off or taken seriously. You know what I mean? But I at least know that going through a channel like that and not putting it just as my voice, that at least there's usually some sort of action item or somehow it'll get talked about again on an executive level, you know. Uh, but then again, like Brandon said, that could be just the hope in me that they're going to respect it professionally and carry it on. No, no. But... So this is what's happening on the other side. They nod, they nod, they nod to Larry, right? <laughs> they go back to their little whiteboard. And, All right. So Larry and these other guys that he named. <laughs> <laughs> we got to make sure we keep a, a watch list on these guys. I mean, I, I mean, like Larry, like I'm sure a lot of people feel that way. I, I A lot of what you said reminds me of year two, Brandon. <laughs> well it hey it worked for me uh no. I, never, I didn't get fired from the places no. i used that strategy and exactly. i did see some changes in the areas mentioned yeah i i i just met my brutus <laughs> very early in my career like i i, I confided in the person you know that was happening with this uh, the company at gotcha. the time and i just saw it completely go backwards I just never really thought that that person would would do that type of thing, yeah. So just to be clear, like it's not a Brutus move where I'm like, hey, uh, by the way, these five other people are, you know what I mean? No, 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 not you, not you. No, no, no. (laughs) To the person that you're talking to. Hey, look, I don't have a problem with this, but uh, these guys over here do. Exactly. (laughs) I'm just telling you what they say. I don't know, but I'm I'm just. I heard. Hearing some rumblings. I walked past the, the, the <laughs> Starbucks and I, I heard such and such and such and oh, such and oh man. Yeah. Yeah. I'm no snitch. But I, I'm a uh, I'm a tacticianer. Is that is that the word? I'm a tacticianer? Tactician, maybe? Uh, we need to read more. Um <laughs> so, so you're uh you're uh you're 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 scripting the uh, layout in your uh in the um proverbial level that is your life is that what you're saying exactly no i go into it saying okay like what's my standpoint what's their standpoint what's their likely resolve for this type of a situation what can they likely do right where is the medium that i can find where's the compromise and then i go in with the compromise as my starting point saying like we will take nothing less than this but here's what i think we should do you know Yeah, yeah and then i just politely kind of follow up with it and you can kind of tell you know, how serious they're going to take the issue or not. And here's the beautiful part about it. If they make a change, you feel like, okay, cool. I made this change. Great. If they ignore the change, it's like, okay, cool. They said, fuck you, Larry. But like, at least you know that like you didn't go in there kicking and flipping tables and shit and getting your ass fired. Right. To get the fuck you, Larry. And I shouldn't even cuss like that, but you know what I mean? Like I can see. Yeah. You're, you're never going to get the results you want by being, uh, to, by taking that approach, and, and 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 that's sort of a lesson for you know not just the, not just the game industry or or jobs, but just life in general, right? right? Like you you just you have to be more diplomatic when you approach these situations because right. people, because people are people, and mm-hmm. and they have emotions and they feel that you know if they it, you know the other thing too is that like if someone you know accuses someone of a situation being bad. <clears throat> A lot of people, for a lot of people, the immediate reaction is to defend themselves and say, yeah. "Hey, whoa, what are you talking about?" And yeah. so, um, how you approach that situation is, you know, can d- dictate how it turns out. For yeah. sure, man, it's critical to go in, re- even if you're if you've been wronged like egregiously, yeah. you know, you still play a role in a system where you're not the head. Right. Like you're still somewhat, I hate to say the word, but kind of dependent upon your employment. Right. Like, especially if you don't have something lined up. So you can't just go in there shooting guns, flipping tables and screaming at folks like that works up until you're about five years old. Then people are like, yo, this kid is spoiled. Whoop his ass. (laughs) I would always suggest sit back and observe the winning team. (laughs) Well, you're going to have to elaborate on that one, man. Well, there's always two teams. And to put it quite simply, like if your opinion is not up there at the executive level, right? And most likely it isn't. Otherwise, you wouldn't have a problem to complain about. You're going to lose. You're just going to lose. I mean, if you're going to go in there hoping that things will be turned around just because of what you're saying, uh, you're being very unrealistic, right? It's happening a certain way. Sure. And you're probably the hundredth person that has complained about it. So you really just go look at your objective for yourself, right? Forget the company. It's not your company. It, it really isn't your company. Yeah. <laughs> you got to let it go. 
It's like, what, what does, what can I do for Brandon right now that would help Brandon? <laughs> all right, help me, help me right now. And if they can't do that, then forget about it. All right, I mean, just do your work and get out. Like I said, always be professional, regardless yeah. of the situation. Exactly. Well, like, see, I I have to counter that because like the whole reason this podcast even exists. Yeah. is because we've gone through the industry and we're kind of like, yo, there's some bullshit out there that we need to expose. Yeah. And we're not in here just flaming companies. And This isn't revenge the podcast, no, right? Not at like, all. This is an honest, open discussion about just the game industry and different subjects and pieces of matter. And this idea of this podcast is going to spread. We, like, As of right now, we're getting about 150 to 200 views per episode after about a month of playtime. So that's... 150 to 200 people who are sitting back like, yeah, you know what? Yeah, this is, you know, and like executives listen to this managers, QA artists all up and down the chain, you know? So this is exactly the kind of tactic that I'm talking about where it's like, I have a form, I have a presentation, I have a standpoint and I'm not attacking with like, you know, uh, I guess I'm not attacking from a, a, I'm hurt standpoint. It's more like, I just want to share understanding of what the hell is going on, you know, and let's see if we can work to a solution. Yeah. So, well, as long as I've known you, man, you've always been <laughs> the mediator, for sure. Yeah. I mean, I've been in college classes, and I've been in groups with Larry, and he would come with like a really good game design, and then we would hear a really bad one <laughs> that we would know, and say, like, "All right, let's work this out. What's the medium of total crap <laughs> and awesome?" And so. I mean, you're, that's your role, man. That's your personality. I, I like to diffuse situations. It's <laughs> yeah. just, I don't know. I'm Captain African America. <laughs> <laughs> All I'm saying is just get used to the smell if you're going to go into the industry. <laughs> that's my best advice. It's, it's funny you say that about the um, uh, being able to understand a good idea versus a bad idea. I think the one thing that's always amusing about being in the game industry is when you talk to people who aren't in the industry mm. and you tell <laughs> and, and and you tell them what you do and it's very I mean cuz there's a lot of parallels between the music, the film and the mm. game industry, right? In terms of like, you know, just um process and the whole the whole thing. And it's no different than when people find out that you're, you know, in the movie business and they go, "Man, I got this amazing idea for a script." Um, everyone has a great idea for a game and nine times out of 10, that game's been made and derivatives of that game's been made. Uh, but everyone feels like they have this very original approach. Um, Mm -hmm. and they're so excited about it. They're like, wow, you know, what do you, what do you think of a, of a, you know, the, you know, of a a game where like, you know, you're, you're on another planet and you're like a, you know, you're a futuristic soldier. It's like, you mean, you mean Halo and Destiny and countless other games that, you know, we've seen in our industry, but you know, you, you still want to be polite because again, people don't necessarily have an understanding. I mean, I I can't tell you how many times and I know you guys can identify with this. Mm -hmm. You tell people, hey, I, you know, what do you do, Larry? And you say, hey, I, I design games for a living. And they go, mm-hmm. oh, my God, you know, like you get to play games all day? I wish yeah. I had your job. Oh, yeah. And your first thought is, yeah, I wish I had that job too yeah. where I sit around <laughs> and play games all day. Unfortunately, that's not my job. That's my job is actually goes. making the game. So, yeah. yeah, it's always an interesting one. I gotta, um, I'm going to have to jump in on that because I actually I, – I, I need to say this. When people come and do that to me – I initially took offense, and I'll, oh, yeah. I'll say why. It, it didn't hurt my feelings, but it was almost like, hey, man, I think your job is so easy. I can just do it right now like this, right? This is yeah. – I'm doing your job right now. This is a great idea. Yeah. And I had to let go of that because obviously they're just excited that, like, they met someone who's doing something really cool, and they want to – you know, so – that initial thought of like me being like this mother, like I let that go completely, but I thought it'd be funny and be worth saying what I do now is I feel like it's not so much that they actually want to go out and make the game right then and there. Like no one has ever said, okay, so how do I get funding? How do I get a team together? How do I, they have never asked any of the, like, what are the next steps questions? It almost feels like, Hey, I just want you to hear me tell you this cool game idea ask me one or two questions about detail of that game idea, and then let's shake hands and go back about our business, right? Like, 
Right. I so I give them the like, okay, cool, tell me about it. Okay, so the the Quarions, how do they okay, what's their motive again? Oh, and then I like and then I spit out like, yeah, and then they do this kind of thing. Okay, that's pretty dope, man. Yeah, that's a good idea. I just give them what they want to hear. Even and it's not so much being fake, but it's like I don't want to mess up or sour somebody who is really like taken aback that they met a game designer. I don't want to mess sure. up that experience. You know what Absolutely. I mean? Absolutely. So, I can relate and to I that. And I think that's the key to I'm sorry, go ahead. No, go ahead. Go ahead. I was just going to say, I thought. think that's the key is that, like, you don't know who you're talking to, right? Yeah. You could be talking to someone that you inspire to become the next great Miyamoto or yeah. the next great, you know, um, Yuji Naka yeah. or you, know, you name it, right? Yeah. You could be inspiring that kid because that kid could say, wow, I met someone who actually, you know, is is my age, looks like me, mm-hmm. is in this industry and is doing something that I didn't think was possible. Mm-hmm. You know, I've had those conversations before with 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 young kids where they're just like, I, I never imagined what someone who does this looks like and I didn't imagine that person looking like you. And so if you were if you were that a hole who says, Oh, really? Like you came up with that game? Like yeah. <laughs> right? Maybe that kid gets like, wow, on the side. yeah, maybe that kid just completely thinks like, wow, I guess there's no shot and maybe I shouldn't even try. Yeah. yeah. But if you edify them and they're like, oh my God, like I met this guy, Larry, and he was awesome and he told me about games and now I want to pursue, you know, yeah. the whole thing. You know, you never know what you're, who you're talking to. So it's always important to, you know, be positive in those situations. I agree. Exactly. Don't even burn bridges with fans. <laughs> it's, well, just don't do it. <laughs> yeah. I can tag on that with my story. My first mini celebrity moment where a kid was really impressed with what I did was probably in year two. I was working on Bioshock 2, and we shared a building uh, at the 2K uh, Publishing. So above us was where the NBA guys were were working at. I walked out of the building on a break, and uh, I came across this father and son. And the father stopped me midway. He's like, oh, my God, do you work in that building? He's like, yeah, I work in that building. Oh my God! And he turned to his kids like he works on NBA 2K, <laughs> and I was like, "Uh, yeah. Oh, really? You really work on that game? That's oh, that's my favorite game, man." I was like, "Yeah, damn right, I work on that game." Yeah, you know, uh, I, I put Michael Jordan in the game. <laughs> I'm the reason. Yeah, we're but friends. Just seeing we have that, lunch every Tuesday. Exactly. Yeah, I'm it was doing nice the Seattle SuperSonics yeah. Stadium. <laughs> so it was nice seeing that kid light up right just knowing that he met a developer working on his favorite game no i mean don't get me wrong those moments are awesome those Mm -hmm. moments are are great when you when you actually um can you know surprise uh someone with that with that response that you work in the industry and see their their face light up and they're like oh my gosh you're you're like a hero to me i mean that that stuff is great and we should surprise myself i worked on nba 2k yeah that's great man (laughs) yeah I, what did I do? I don't know. But I, on yeah. I came out of that building. Yes. Wouldn't it have been? Wouldn't Wouldn't it have been crazy though if he had been? If If he was? If he would have been more excited that you worked on Bioshock, right? Yeah. Like if you said, "Oh no, sorry, kid, I don't work on NBA 2K. I yeah. work on Bioshock," and then you just saw his little face just explode. <laughs> right, right, right. <laughs> well, I can step on that for you right now. Yeah. Imagine all the Bioshock players. And then all the NBA 2K players. Yeah, I took a gamble. Do a Venn diagram. <laughs> yeah, I took the sure bet. Yeah, sure, that makes sense. Yeah. Oh man, the only people in that Venn diagram who are in the middle are game developers. Yeah. Indeed. Oh man. So, uh, well, Art, how about yourself, man? Do you have a specific person in the game industry before you became, you know, Art Usher, designer who worked on all these titles? Was yeah. there someone in the industry that you looked up to that? either came through for you and was like when you met him was like or, or her was like hey you know oh Art usher cool very nice to meet you thank you for the support awesome take a picture with me and like totally made your day as a fan or was there an opportunity where they could have and they're like another one get out of my face yeah actually um it was shigeru miyamoto Uh-oh. um it was e3 gosh what was it e3 uh i want to say it was 96 i'm mm-hmm. showing my age uh the N64 had just launched, mm-hmm. and um, 
and I remember going uh, to the Nintendo booth and seeing Nintendo's um, setup for the N64 and seeing um, uh, Super Mario 64 for the first time. So this was Mario in 3D, and I was just like, wow, I was just blown away. And uh, Miyamoto was walking the floor, and I remember walk. He had an entourage with him, and I remember walking up to him and you know, sort of sheepishly asking, "Oh, would you mind posing for a photograph? And you know, would you would you sign my would you sign an autograph for me?" And I expected him to say no, and I expected someone from his entourage to say, "Hey, kid, get out of here." Yeah. But no, he was actually very humble and gave a big smile and posed for a photograph, which I still have. Mm. And uh, he signed his um, he signed a um, an autograph on a Nintendo pamphlet that I had, and I still have the pamphlet. But um, it was a it was a huge moment um, for me because this was gosh, this was seven years before I got into the industry. Mm-hmm. Uh, but to have that sort of, um, and I had seen him on the floor, uh, on the show floor, like years later and things like that. And, you know, saw him in passing and never approached him again. But just that initial sort of uh, uh, interaction being so positive, I think, uh, was was very, um, was, was great. It was, it was a great um, sort of uh, uh, moment that I think definitely made me feel like it was something that I could do. I think if that if that moment had gone a different path, perhaps maybe I don't even feel that the industry is something that is possible for me. Mm-hmm. So wow. so yeah. Yeah, it was great. It was an awesome moment. Dude, way to go, man. That's uh, you know, that's awesome to hear that, you know, somebody who's like on high was like, "Oh, a fan. Let me take this moment to show appreciation." Even though like I'm worth like $800 a minute, you know, I'm still sure. going to give this guy, you know, the, the story of the lifetime. And that's awesome because now you're giving good press. You have that moment, you carry that with you through your life and it opens up career doors for you just because you have like, yeah, I want to do this. Like, I don't know. It's empowering. Just that one little gesture is kind of empowering. That's awesome. Yeah. It's, it was, it was, I actually had sort of this, like, uh, this sort of perspective moment. Uh, I drive to work every day and I, I actually pass by Nintendo on my way to work. Mm-hmm. Um, and I happened to be driving, uh, to work one morning and I had the, um, I, I wasn't even thinking about, I wasn't even putting the two together, but I had the wind waker soundtrack playing mm-hmm. and you know, it's like sort of that moment where you're passing by Nintendo <laughs> and you're listening to wind waker and you're remembering all of these awesome sort of games that you've played over the years. Yeah. And then you're seeing like it, it was just it was it was pretty awesome. It was a pretty awesome moment. That's pretty Nintendo's Wi-Fi network at work. <laughs> it just blasted the music in a radius. Nice. Um, all right, guys, we're about forty something minutes into the podcast, so let's take a moment, get a little break, get a drink of water, take a sip of beer. We will be right back with Game Dev Unchained the podcast. Hey everybody, it's Larry here from Game Dev Unchained, the podcast. I just wanted to take a moment to thank you very much for being a subscriber, a fan, or a listener. And we would like to keep in touch with you all. If you have a moment of time today, please go to www.facebook.com slash Unchained. Give us a like, drop a comment. This is going to be where you will get all the updates. We're going to ask questions. We want to get feedback. We want to see support. We want to build an audience. Game Dev Unchained, the podcast. We are on Facebook. It is live. All right, we're back. Game Dev Unchained, the podcast. This is Larry Charles, Mr. Brandon Pham, and Arthur Usher. We are going to take these last 15 minutes to tell you guys the good stuff. How to transition from one job that you may be not so feeling anymore into that high pay dream job or that that junior to senior or that associate to junior or whatever. Uh, so let's go into it. Mr. Arthur Usher, how is it that you know when it's time to go? Uh, man, it's a number of different things. Um, the most important thing is being able to read the tea leaves. It's uh, That's not always something that everyone can do, mm-hmm. uh, but there's always signs, right? There's always hints uh, in terms of... Um, you on a personal level or, or the, the studio on a greater level um, when uh, when it may be time for you to seek uh, other opportunities. Mm-hmm. Uh, for me personally, um, it's it's a matter of, you know, am I still excited every day to go? And I think that's important because at the end of the day, I don't think anybody in this industry wants to ship garbage, right? We all want to ship great stuff. Yeah. We all want to ship 
the best reviewed games because these are your these are our babies. These are games that we spend, you know, uh, twelve to thirty six months on, depending on how long you're on on a on a project, right? And you see it from its infancy, from its first playable, uh, to um, you know, to its its you know shipped product. And so I think we all want to make great things, mm-hmm. uh, but there but there are certain times where there are you know uh, extenuating circumstances that don't always allow for you to um, continue on with that particular group that you're working with. Mm-hmm. And so I think it's just about being able to identify early on if the trend starts to go towards if it's something that can be changed. Is there a cultural change that is it is it just you? Maybe you're just not a good fit for that particular culture, and the culture itself is fine. Uh, but it's about being able to identify those things early on, and not let them get to a point where um, you're so dejected mm-hmm. and you just want you know and and, and negative uh, to where it's affecting not only your ability to be to to do to be your best uh, at work, but outside of work. So. Yeah. I feel like uh during your climb in in game development at a certain stage you're kind of handed a knife and for you to progress further it depends on how many times you use that knife or not. Like that's just a personal feeling. Well, <laughs> you I'll, guys are laughing. I'll tell you so what. So I know you guys are talking. I'm only going to use that knife to cut the hands that are pulling me down. Yeah. <laughs> I won't use it to stab anyone in front of me. All right, so Larry staying where he is. <laughs> <laughs> oh no, it's I'm not gonna fall fast. <laughs> yeah. Oh man. But yeah, I, I do share that same feeling. Like, if you go into work and you're not feeling it, it it's time to go, and that's simply the answer. Mm-hmm. Um, the one problem I do see is that at a certain point, the industry being so small. There's only uh, so many times you can make that lap yeah. <laughs> until you hit the same same big studio. Yeah. I mean, do you guys have any thoughts on that uh, when that becomes a problem? Yeah, so I think the – it's tough. I mean, it all, it all depends on what you want to work on, right? It's like if you want – if there's a certain type of game that you want to make, um, there are – there's 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 a chance that there's going to be some overlap from other places that you've worked before because generally speaking people who've worked on certain sorts of experiences tend to go other places and work on those experiences as well so um but if you're flexible if you're just open you're like you know what man i don't care if i'm making an rts or a match three or the next big you know action adventure third person shooter doesn't matter Right, as long as I'm making something awesome mm-hmm. and it's cool, then your options are more wide open. But it just—it's just a matter of where your comfort zone is. Do you, you know, do you do you feel comfortable moving into spaces where you're working on things that aren't necessarily in your wheelhouse? Yeah, yeah. I will say uh, one of the most important factors for me is growth. Um, I don't want to be in a position where I feel like, man, I'm going to contribute a significant amount of my good years in life to something that has no real plan for my growth, you know? Uh, and as soon as I discover in any way that like my growth isn't part of the plan, then my long-term availability just no longer becomes available (laughs) is the, the the PC way to say that I'm going to leave. That's a very, very good one there. Yeah, personal growth is a huge, huge component. And I think that that is, that somehow, that sometimes gets lost in the weeds, you know, uh, when you're thinking, oh my gosh, I'm getting this sort of offer or I'm getting, or I'm working on this particular product. Mm-hmm. Well, at the end of the day, are you growing in that, in that discipline that you're working in? And I think that that's absolutely dead on. Yep. I think you nailed it. Thank you, sir. Yeah, and I, I think it is the number one problem uh, if you have no personal growth to burn out, right? You get you kind of it kind of becomes a clock in clock out type of job. So, yeah, yeah. Signing off on that. <laughs> Finally, the first time like all three of us have agreed, right? Like, 
was, I, I don't know how much of the podcast you followed, Art, but like, there's always these dialogues where like Brandon will feel some way, like very polar opposites on some of these opinions, but we finally achieved equilibrium. This is great. Well, I mean, yeah. it's kind of, it's well, kind of contrast can be good though. Right? It is. I mean, it's, it's makes important. for good, good conversation. Art producer or no? <laughs> Actually, I, I started the industry uh, as a design producer hybrid. So, oh, uh, there we go. We got two go. of you then. That's 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 the same as me, man. Yeah. So uh, I definitely have some experience being diplomatic in these situations. Nice. The whole first twenty minutes of the podcast, the way he was dodging those questions, like that's right. totally <laughs> showing. Right. I was, I was going through my progressions, man. <laughs> I wasn't gonna, I wasn't gonna, I wasn't gonna let that pass rush get in there. <laughs> I'm just reading your eyes, Art. I know check what you down. mean. Check down, check down. <laughs> oh man, this is good. This is a really good episode, man. I'm really happy that you came on board to to share the wisdom, so to speak. So here's a good one for you. Um, what about transitioning to a different job title? Do you have any advice for people who think, you know what, I've been at you know designer level or environment artist level or programmer level for X number of years. I think I'm ready for the senior role, but the studio that I currently work for isn't going to offer a senior opportunity. How do you feel about just going ahead and applying for you know that senior designer job, senior environment artist job, or senior programmer job? Well my experience has always been it's easier to leave and come back than it is to be promoted from within. And I don't think that that necessarily is um, because there's anything malicious going on. I just think that if you start in a particular space at a, at a specific level, then there's a tendency for people to view you at that level mm-hmm. and not to actually see you in a higher position. Yes. Versus if you were to leave and go to a place where you've never been seen in that situation, then they're more open to saying, oh, well, you know, you're coming in at this level. We've never seen you in this other level. So clearly, blah, blah, blah. Um, But your mileage may vary. Uh, So but that's just been the experience that I've seen is that it's always easier. It tends to be easier to go and come back as opposed to promote from within. I don't know if that's yours. That's actually exactly my story, and I will tell you after Brandon fields this question. Uh, Mr. Pham, do you have any advice on that same question? Yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> it's, it's, it's true. It's, uh, it's the same exact reasoning. Like You leaving a job to get promoted is a lot easier, right? For, for that reason, people are not used to seeing you fill a, a certain role with more responsibility. So it's easier for you to go to a newer company and – for them to justify paying you 10k more at the same job, it's very difficult, right? Yeah. Why? Just yesterday I was paying you less. Why? Why should I pay you any more? Yeah, exactly. Um, so I need to tell the audience this, and uh, my current employer—they'll uh, probably laugh at it—but I, I went to Obsidian to be a designer right out of school. I was applying for like a, a junior design job. I interviewed, and I actually landed in the. Eventually, was a associate producer job right not even a designer whatsoever and i got paid a salary it was an entry level like fresh out of college salary right but i wasn't doing the job that i wanted and let's just say i don't think that had i stayed there that i would have been promoted to what i am now not even close but i left uh i got laid off when aliens was canceled i went through the industry i worked in the field that i wanted to work for now i'm back at the company that i'm started doing the thing that I want to do and it would be almost shameful to compare my initial salary to my current salary. So absolutely. That's a respectful way of saying like, you know, both of you guys are very right. (laughs) Yeah. I think Brandon nailed it. It's that situation where they, they're used to seeing you in such in a certain role Mm -hmm. and the justification of, of promoting you seems odd because they think they know who you are as an individual. Yes. Totally. Boom. So the best way to grow is to go. <laughs> Your mileage may vary. Yeah. <laughs> the best way to validate is vacate. No, I don't know. I don't have any more. Uh, I'm okay, trying. Johnny, I'm reaching. I'm, Johnny Cochran. Yeah, I'm reaching. <laughs> Johnny Cochran. Well, let me ask you this question. If the job don't fit, you must quit. <laughs> Does it matter at what time, what part of the project is the best time to go like the oh, middle, okay. yeah the end, yeah the that's a really good question so i have a personal 
I have personal feelings on this. Mm-hmm. Um, I would never abandon a project uh, at a point when it's about to ship. Mm. For me, uh, midway through or at the early part of a project would be preferable because then there's an opportunity for the studio to pivot and be able to, uh, you know, finish sure. what they need to do. But if you have a ton of dependencies and you know you leave in the middle of a project, you're basic. You're basically not only punishing the product but you're also punishing people who've worked with you who may not have anything to do with your particular issue with with the product so again i can't stress this enough it goes back to what i said before remaining professional i would like i said i'd never leave at the end of a project i just don't think that that's cool yeah if you're the wheels on the airplane don't quit when they're about to land (laughs) yep that's a good one very good one thank you but when they land, get the fuck out. <laughs> okay, everyone's cool. We're safe. Yeah, we're, we're on the ground. We're good. Yeah. Okay, gotta go. <laughs> oh man. Well, um, Brandon, do you have any other questions? Because we're at that point where we turn over the audience to the guest. Well, I mean, in my personal situation, where there were times where I questioned whether to leave or not, I've always did find it best where when you finally did ship that project and especially a really good project, most employers will take a look at you uh, more attentively because of that project. Mm -hmm. So if you ever had doubts and you're near the end of the project, just ship that thing and apply then because that's when your uh, credibility is at highest, if Mm -hmm. anything. So that's it. That's all I got to say. Also, just to kind of springboard off of that point, imagine when the project is shipped, and let's say you do have a plan or an exit strategy that you're trying to implement it's a lot easier to take those two hour lunch interviews when the project is shipped and everyone is kind of on like a downturn versus when it's critical and you're supposed to be crunching and you're taking your two hour interview lunch. uh, I mean, that's another thing. Is there any pro tip when it comes to doing interviews during another job? (laughs) I've been using the same one. Like my, my family's been sick. This is this is incriminating, man, because like now people are going to look at us differently. But you know what? I'm here to give people the truth. Um, it's be a respe- Rolodex of excuses, man. <laughs> Everyone has used it. It's not so much the excuse, right? Like I, I, also, I often feel like people overshare when they need to not be at work. Right. And it, it kind of makes me laugh sometimes. <laughs> like, oh, yeah. hey, man, woke up with this this migraine that's just been traveling all up and down my body. I'm just aching everywhere. So I'm not going to be able to make it in today. Like, yo, Amateur. just say you're sick. <laughs> you're like, hey, I'm sick. I can't make it in, right? Like, yeah. I don't need to feel bad to, like, validate your your sick uh, request or whatever. Well, not just that. We had kind of, like, this, this spin room and one of our shared jobs where <laughs> we had a producer who had to take bad news and make it, not make so it bad sound news. not so bad news. And it was just so obvious how he was spinning it. Yeah. So it's so I don't take that approach. Um, I guess my pro tip would be, I I always get in the habit of saying like if I'm sick or if I need time out, like hey guys, I need to take time out today, or hey guys, I need personal time today, that's and I, I that's all you need to say because as a professional, you are given those things. You're given sick time, you're given vacation time, and as long as you are designating what and when you're using time for, and they know ahead of time, you should be okay. You don't have to go into this, that, and the third about how the black plague has snuck into your household and just wiped out your immune system. Oh my God, man, please. So anyway, that's my pro tip is just get in the habit of saying like, Hey, I need time off on Thursday, you know, at this time. And that's it. Yeah. Like Tuesday through Thursday are the best times because it's less likely. uh, (laughs) You're laughing. It's less suspicious, right? Because people, don't want to think that you're taking like a three day weekend or not, right? Exactly. Yeah. Um, I guess my, my, my tip would just be, um, to, to, to put a nice bow on all of this, um, on the topic would be, um, just be proud of whatever it is that you do. Mm. Um, everything is not always ideal in anything that you do in terms of, uh, work or what have you. Um, but just, do work that you can be proud of. At the end of the day, you can say, look, you know what? Everything did sort of pan out the way I expected it to, but I gave 110% of what I could, and I left everything out there, and I'm proud of what I did. Because hmm. ultimately, 
um, at the end of the day, that's all you that's all you can you can look at, right? Is what your contributions were. I mean, obviously they're a small part of a bigger whole, but um, if you can walk away from a project and feel like you gave it your all and you were a hundred, you know, you were professional, then I think that that's that's key. Amen. Well, uh, Art, it has been more than an hour on the podcast, and we thank you very much for being a guest. You dropped some serious wisdom today and also some funny you know, stories we all kind of did. At this time, we always turn over the podcast broadcast to the guests to, you know, I guess, shout out any person or individual. That's the same. It's redundant. Or project or thing that you're working on or involved in that you just want to, you know, let the listeners know that you're involved in. Yeah. So uh, if you want to pursue the game design discipline, um, I would recommend uh, spending as much time as you can uh, getting yourself familiar with a good start is uh, off the shelf editors uh, like um, Unreal or Unity. Mm-hmm. Um, getting yourself familiar with scripting and C Sharp mm-hmm. uh, is always super valuable. Um, and yeah, just uh, read, play, get an understanding of what actually makes a good game and be able to articulate that. Mm -hmm. Uh, A lot of times it's super tough for people to say beyond, wow, this game is awesome. But if you can start to understand systems wise, why why a game is awesome, um, some of the things that the developers did, uh, then I think you're on your path to understanding the fundamentals of game design and the sky's the limit. Very nice. Well, um, Ladies and gentlemen, this has been another wonderful episode of the Game Dev Unchained podcast. I want to take one moment to just thank you for coming along on the ride, listening to us, supporting us, giving us feedback, all of that wonderful. We appreciate it. Thanks for checking us out for one more week. I'm Larry Charles. I'm out. This is Brandon. I'll see you next week. This is Art. Thanks a lot, guys.